Hey. Hey. Now I got Space Oddity stuck in my head. Yeah, I was just showing Jeff uh, some stuff from Fish Center this week, which... Uh, I wanted to talk about Fish Center last time. Didn't have much n- enough time. Uh, Fish Center is a show that's streaming from the... Uh, I call it a show. It's kind of a... Um, it's an anti-show in some ways. It's streaming from the from the Adult Swim website, and occasionally they actually put it on the Adult Swim network. It's they started by just streaming a video of their fish tank, then they like put people commenting on it mm-hmm. and and have, having to fish play quote unquote games where they run over coins they overlay and 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 give them points based on that. Uh, it's 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 like it's everything I love about a about a TV show. Really, it's. Um, it's it's both like a parody of you know sports centers like that, and it's sort of a commentary on shows like it. It's uh, acutely aware of itself. It it takes something of really like an insignificant uh, proportions and and behaves like it's the most important thing in the world. Uh, but it's also like it it's you know, you know they do an hour a day. It's kind of a laboratory for just coming up with with comedy bits. Right. Some things work, some things don't. Uh, you can let it run in the background, and sometimes you'll just go laugh your ass off, and then just you know whatever. Uh, it's it's kind of like a an, uh, an improv group in that sense. That, mm-hmm. You know, um, it's a laboratory, and so, and when they hit, they hit. Um. So yeah, that I think Fish Center is is awesome. I think that it's not for everybody. If you, if you want a really structured show, if you want something that uh, that has. That's more than just taking the piss out of everything and just trying ridiculous stuff and reveling in the stupidity of it. Then it, it, it's probably not for you. I just showed Jeff they you know, they did a parody of Space Oddity for <laughs> the Crawfish, which inspired me to write a parody of Space Oddity for our show. That I that is is really dumb, but I desperately want to make, get made. Um, they did a parody of Ducktales. <laughs> parody of this ridiculous Alex Jones thing based on you know that he was that there one of his employees was commenting on adult swim an adult swim cartoon that had satanic messages mm-hmm. yeah it was very very it's, it's really funny stuff if you're into that kind of thing fish center fish center live dun dun <laughs> So LastPass got hacked. Yeah, they got... Um, now, of course, they, they they couldn't get your... It's unlikely that they got your passwords because those are protected by a uh, pretty strong hash. So it's... They, the information, they were like, they saw unsuspicious traffic and they don't know for sure if they exfiltrated... Your LastPass password, mm-hmm. your password here, master password, your email address. Yes, um, they don't know for sure, but they recommend everyone change it. I did change, change their my, password, yeah. and then they also said that they didn't have any evidence that the password vaults were exfiltrated or mm-hmm. even accessed. So you don't have to worry about changing all your other website passwords. You know, I'm not mad at LastPass for this. I'm mad at the timing though, because I'm still working at getting everyone. I'm still working on winning hearts and minds at work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I got to change your password when I had you create a pretty strong, hard to remember, you know, hard to, you know, crack password before. And uh, so, so I was a little disappointed about that. I but. tweeted out something after this, which it, it wasn't related to uh, LastPass, the, the tweet, but it, 
but I did put it on here because I thought it was a topic to talk about. Part of the um, part of what destroyed password security in the first place was the severe overcorrection on password security. When people when people realized that everybody was going, uh, you know, their password was password or password one or something, then. A lot of places made it so passwords were going to be changing now every two weeks, and they had to have mm-hmm. ridiculous combinations, and so then people suddenly couldn't remember them, and so they were just writing them down and stuff like that. That ridiculous overcorrection made it so passwords became essentially a joke, right? And made it so pe- so people were very lax about their security. It was a, it was. The destruction of of privacy. It was at least one of the final nails in the destruction of privacy. There's that. But you're also assuming that a lot of people actually used a good password to start? No, I'm not. I I don't think that people used a good password to start. What I'm saying is that people didn't. Hmm. And there was such an overcorrection by by, by people who were administrators. Okay, now, since you're not using good passwords, I'm going to force you to use ridiculous passwords that you'll never be able to remember and different ones for every fucking website you go to. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's, you know, that's well, not the, something that most people are capable of handling. Yeah. The different ones for every website is just good, prudent precaution, right? I mean, yes, yeah, no, but, I, you're, but the, the changing passwords every 90 days, uh-huh. I never did this countermeasure or you know game the system this way but i know people i had worked with you know they actually told me oh yeah i just increment the number at the end of my password right every time they make me change it <laughs> and so then they overcorrected for that by making it so that your password couldn't have couldn't share mm-hmm. a similar structure to the previous one right you're asking for people to basically have written down pieces of password. You're, you're asking for social engineering to be a lot more powerful <laughs> But in today's world, to play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. in today's world, having a strong pseudo-random password written down at your desk is better than having a weak password that's not written down, because most of the attacks are going to come from online. I I, I see where you're coming from. I partially agree. I, I think that... What you write down... So if you have to write down your password, what you write down is something very similar to your password and when you type it in and it fails you remember how you changed what you wrote down so you okay, kind of use a haystack a, a little bit that's one i mean like so on security you're, now you're, you're complicating the issue though you're making but it on so. security now steve gibson recommends that your last pass password be something you can't remember which no no that's <laughs> i disagree but he's like write it down keep it at your computer but you know modify you know the password that you really have is slightly different from what's written down the written down is a reminder and you can when you see that you know how to modify that password to be what your password really is i i disagree with using that for last pass but if i'm just like i said back to playing devil's advocate mm-hmm. in today's world where all the attacks come from the internet having a really strong password that you have to write down and stick on a post note under your keyboard. That's more secure than having something that's in a cracked dictionary. Yeah, I mean I, I kind of, you know, I, I think the XKCD route is is the best way to go, which is actually the math 
it's not as strong. Really? The XKDC one is proven proven to be uh, false. How, why? I can't. Do you want me to go find the the report right now? We'll look it up. I would love to see it. Yeah. We'll look it up. But it's uh, it sounds good. And it's sure it's a good password. But if you're just talking about bits of entropy, he got his math wrong. Okay. But it still is, is harder to calculate than a eight character password there's some place like there are places now that i saw one uh somebody tweeted like a, a um the thing and it was all your passwords had to be between eight and 12 characters well suddenly you're you are severely making it you're making it so much easier for people to crack passwords then even if they have to have you know special characters and whatever making it be, have to be between eight and 12 characters means You've just defined. You've just made it gave finite. A, yeah, you have a finite parameter yeah. set. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, so I want to talk about the LastPass hack just a little bit more. Okay. And aside from keeping the intruder out, everything they implemented in their security worked. Right. Right. They have per user salts, so that means they can't do a rainbow table and then find the matching hashes for everyone who has the password monkey. Is there a uh is there a reasonable analogy you can use for what a rainbow table is? A rainbow table is uh, it's a pre-computational attack where... Okay, so I need to explain what a per-user salt is before I talk about a rainbow okay. table. So a per-user salt, if, if, um, if the password hashing algorithm, a hashing algorithm takes known text and it's a one-way function to random text, or not random, but... It's a one-way function. You can't reverse it. Um, so if Greg and I had the same password, if our passwords are both monkey, and we weren't using per-user salts, the hash that came out the other side would be the same hash. Mm-hmm. So Greg's would be pound sign 4973, you know, and mine would be the exact same. So if someone got that database and they hashed monkey, they could just match the whole way down. Uh, so LastPass uses per-user per salts. So... Greg's monkey is hashed with something unique to him, and my monkey is hashed with something unique to me, so what's in the database are two different values. And the salts are in the database too, presumably, but because it's a one-way function, mm-hmm. you can't figure out that they were both monkey. So I'm going to, to assume with. that the reason why they call it a salt is because a salt is a combination of an organic and a metal. So it's sort of like... No, it's more of a seasoning. You're seasoning... Oh, okay. So that's why they call it a salt. It's seasoning the password with something nice. else. So that's why. Um, you should just call it pepper then. <laughs> They're confusing the issue by making it a chemistry term. I but, guess. Oh, because <laughs> oh, salts mean so much more in chemistry. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so they use per-user salts, which means that you can't calculate the million most probable passwords and what the hashes will be and then just scan the database for matches. Mm -hmm. You would have to calculate the million most probable passwords for each user, which really keeps from like mass harvesting of passwords. The the million most, you have to get the million most probable, take the hashes if you were to get what they were hashing with, their their salts, and run those. So that's... But you'd have to do it per user. Yeah, so... Right, right. (laughs) And then the other thing they did is they're using uh, password-based key differentiation hashing functions. Uh, they're using SHA-256, and they're using 
So on the cl- I knew this on the client side that they use 5,000 rounds of iteration. And what that means is that it takes monkey, mm-hmm. it hashes it with PBK DF2, and now it's something that's not monkey, but it's one... one PBK pass- DF2 is a, is a term for... It's a type of uh, encryption. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's the method. The SHA... The, is it an elliptic uh, curve? Is it? Well, it's SHA-256 is the hash. So... Um, that's the that's the hash. It's not really encryption, but that's the hash. So you take monkey, you run it through the function once, you get this new thing. And a computer does that really fast. What they do on your client is they take that new thing, they run it through the hash again. They do that 5,000 times. So it, takes, it has to run through the function 5,000 times before you can know what the hash needs to mm-hmm. be. So the reason they do that is if someone gets a whole giant database and they have a fast computer, they still have to run the function 5,000 times. But once, so you send this hash to LastPass. Is it always 5,000 or is it like some, is it some random? It's always 5,000. Okay. You can change it in your LastPass advanced settings. And actually, Steve Gibson uh, suggested picking a non-even, non-round number in there. Um, However, I'm thinking that the hash iterations might be data that's stored in there too it might be available mm-hmm. so it might not help defeat yeah but if it wasn't then you know sure the bad guys know that okay 5,000 on the user side so I'm gonna do 5,000 hash it's gonna take a while but I know it's 5,000 if you change to 5,001 you're gonna defeat that attack yeah. if they don't know it's 5,001 so it could be worthwhile um, if you make it 3,986 then right. they're gonna well they recommend 5,000. I, I think the data might be available. They might be able to see that 3,896. Yeah. So I keep it at 5,000. Make it 5,001 if you want to, or 5,010, whatever. They recommend don't putting it over 20,000 because it slows down the client. But on a computer like yours, you could probably put it up to 50 or 60,000. Mm-hmm. It would be fine. So you send this hash to LastPass, and then um, they store that. But because they know this password stored online in their computers, and it's there for it persists for a long period of time, that there's a lo- a large attack window for that thing to be compromised, like it was mm-hmm. last week. They actually run it through a hundred thousand more hashes, so it's hashed a total of one hundred and five thousand times by the time it actually gets written to disk. Which again just makes it more. That means when you want to, to yeah. take monkey and see if Greg's password is monkey, you have to run it through the function 105,000 times. Right. So it's a lot and slower. And even on really fast computers, that it might only take a few seconds to run monkey. To run one password, but to run A billion passwords. passwords yeah. Right. And because, so they, all the countermeasures they put into place did exactly what those countermeasures were meant to do if the password database was stolen. Mm. So, you know, I'm just really proud. You know, I don't know if proud's the right word, but I'm enthused, enthused. Okay. That uh, that LastPass, you know, did all this work and it, it paid out. Because, like, you yeah. look at the attack, you read through their security measures, and, like, oh, yeah, that's why they did that. Oh, yeah, that's why they did that. It And it really was the best case yeah. of... Of data loss that you could have. Yeah, because, I mean, we've we mentioned before, if someone wants to grab the data, they may be able to find a way to do it. But if you take other precautions, assuming that that might possibly happen, then you, you're already a step ahead. Right. They didn't share why this was accessible, but the password vaults weren't. I would love to 
kind of look under the covers and see why that is. You know, some kind of proxy, segregated network. But, you know, I'd love to see them explain mm-hmm. why the vaults were safe and the passwords weren't. And why that why the passwords couldn't be as safe as the vaults then. You know, that kind of thing. Well, something has to be public. They're both they're both online. I mean you get your vault right. from when you log in. So I would just love to see the architecture and why the vaults were more secure. All right. Interesting. Why don't you send them an email? Hey. They're a little busy right now. <laughs> I did send them an email about SAML authentication the other day. But mm. uh and they got back pretty quickly. I wasn't expecting a response so quickly. But I, I do have enterprise support, so Yeah. On the other hand, I pay for it. So Yeah, you so you actually get email support because you're a LastPass yeah. premium member. Mm-hmm. I think my emails from the enterprise account get a little bit higher priority. There are now free stuff on the on the phone, so I could do use those, but eh, I mean fifteen bucks is not that much to pay. It's twelve. Twelve. That's yearly, right? That's, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, oh, the ra- rainbow hash you didn't describe. Oh, rainbow table. Rainbow well, I did. Table. Well, so the rainbow tables are. I got this data. I know what the ha- how how to arrive at the user's hash. They did not use per user salts, so everyone's password to his monkey looks the same. So what I'm going to do is pre-compute what top 1 million English passwords are. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just going to scan the table and I'm going to see what matches. S- scoop up a whole bunch of passwords. And that's why that's what rainbow tables are. Where if you use a per user salt it defeats a rainbow table. Mm. Okay. Cuz cuz uh it might take a week, two weeks. It might t- it takes a long time to make a rainbow table cuz there's a lot of computation involved cuz you want to have a lot of words so you have a lot of hits. And um like so, a rainbow table typically have every eight character password. Yeah, in it, you know. So I mean, it's not just like so it's not an, just a million words, but it's like every eight character password. As an analogy, it's sort of like the way that computers have now in the game of chess, which we can talk about this. But computers now have solved chess when there are seven pieces on the board. So mm-hmm. end game chess is solved. It, it, it there's you can at least get a draw always when there are just seven pieces on the board. They have it's just a it's an end book, and so computers will know this. So once you get to seven points, with seven pieces on the board, you're you're screwed uh, if you're playing a computer. Same, it's the same kind of idea, right? The same mm-hmm. same thing. If you have a password that fits in this table, it's solved. If, if they have the hash and they have your password. Yeah, yeah. I, I misspoke earlier. I just wanted to clarify in case someone's actually really listening to this. A rainbow table would be like every password from one character up to eight or ten characters. Mm-hmm. So it's that any combination. So you know, you, you just take your rainbow table and just scan through it. Uh, that's why per user salts are so important. And if any company is storing user data without per user salts, they really should consider adding those. It is nice you can come up with analogies for these things. I've been trying to. So, learning quantum mechanics. I should point out quantum mechanics is not quantum field theory. Quantum mechanics is a set of tools that are used to determine... It's a a deterministic system. It's it's basically a set of tools. You have initial starting conditions, and you have second-order differential equations. And that's it. And the, the math is actually very, very simple. 
but getting using analogies kind of fails. I'm just trying to explain to somebody what because I wrote down the SU three SU two AU one. I was trying to explain what the what that means, and uh, I was like, well, um, these are unitary groups because the because they're matrix operations and the matrices are Hermitian, uh, so they are uh, equal to their complex conjugates. And I was like, okay, well, that doesn't. <laughs> That makes no sense to anybody who do, who isn't aware of what that is. But there's no analogy I have for it. That's the only way I understand it. So mm-hmm. I can't, I can't. You know, if I were to give you an analogy, I would be obfuscating the issue more than I would be telling you what's actually going on. Um, and that that is kind of you know where you get at a certain point where it's like um, that is <laughs> this is the way it works. I'm sorry. I right. could give you an analogy, but it fails. So it's right. it's going to sound arcane and, and ridiculous. It it turns out it's not. It turns out that you, you just have to you, you have to get a lot of base knowledge, and then it kind of comes relatively easily. But getting that base knowledge is the hard part. Anyway, yeah, it's. I mean, it's hard to get analogies for something that's so. Um, that doesn't behave like everything you yeah. see. Yeah. There's no there's no analogy to quantum behavior that I'm aware of that fits. Uh just like there's no real analogy to uh special to, to general relativity to how gravity works that fits. Uh Randall Monroe made an you know, there was the great XKCD uh Thing about this, where he basically explained exactly what I'm explaining to you, but it was like he was he's teaching somebody. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the comic is called Teaching Physics, and he's saying, okay, uh, he has some guy saying, space time is like a rubber sheet, uh, and things pull down, you know, and things are you know pull down the rubber sheet, and so some, somebody asks, what's pulling him down, and so the teacher size says, okay, space time is like a set of equations. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no analogy that reasonably works for them. And the guy's like, boring! And it's like, that's it. I remember that yeah. one, yeah. So, yeah, that's it. I think, I mean, the, but the rubber sheet... So, the way we describe a lot of things is we kind of take a dimension out of it. Like, like... We simplify, yeah. We sure. simplify, but in general, I mean, it, generally, it's it, taking a dimension out. Like, I, I, the the rubber sheet's the one, right? Because yeah. you're 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 instead of you know actually imagining gravity in three D space time, you're making space time two D. And now, if you make gravity, you know, the analogy still doesn't really work. The, there are. Differences between how a rubber sheet with, uh, with with these boundaries would work versus how uh, space time actually does work. There are actually significant degrees, significant differences when you get into um, pretty, you know relatively small effects that still have major uh, effects. On well, sure, but so, I mean the rubber sheet is for very basic understanding yeah. of, of gravity. And it, it is effective, right? Because people can analogize what that looks like. They can imagine, they yeah. can, or you could, with an appropriate sized rubber sheet and right weighted things, you could actually 
set up, at least for a moment, orbiting systems. It's, it's one of those things where it's effective at getting across a very general example of the idea, but once you actually start to look into it, you kind of you, you begin to realize how much that is like I said, obfuscating what is actually happening. It's kind of like when you learn how atoms work and then you finally start to understand what's actually going on or, or how we understand if things are actually going on and the picture of what atoms look like is um, is like <laughs> it, it's absolutely it's, it's a toy. It, it's nothing compared to what's actually going on. It's a it, it, to call it an analogy is, is insulting to the concept of analogies. It, it's, it's wrong. It is utterly wrong in many ways. But it's taught because it's easier to grasp. It leads to people making wrong So many, everything you learn, you you start with the basics and you gloss over the next yeah. level of detail. And then you get older. I mean, think about when you learned about atoms through school, right? I mean, for me, it was we drew orbits. Mm-hmm. And then we learned orbits aren't true. We, or, we drew shells, you know? And, you know, it, it just increased in levels. And I remember thinking, like, why didn't they teach us this the first time? Why did they teach us the wrong stuff? But... Yeah, but, but like, like, like I said before, they're, they're teaching you the base. They're teaching you how to, how to do the basic stuff. The, the, the problem gets into... If they teach you the wrong basics, then you can be led astray. If they teach you basics for something that turns out that the basics for it are actually something entirely different. But uh, so, so you, you get these knowledge collisions where you have, you know, contrary things that you have to get to sort of figure out on your own. Because it's hard, it's hard for a, even the best teacher to to pull you through that completely on their own. You have to do some of it yourself. Mm-hmm. It's... It's it's a difficulty, and it makes it makes learning this stuff look more complicated than it is. Like I said, when you get right down to it, when you start to learn how to do the math, it turns out the math is not that complicated for at least quantum theory. The math for general relativity is very 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 complicated, and I don't know if I'll ever totally get it. Um, Too bad it was rainy uh, yesterday and today because I'm not sure if you caught this on the news or not, but. You know, it's the Martian New Year. Okay. A couple days ago. Thursday, I think, was the Martian New Year. So, what... Defined by what exactly? Summer... Or... It's one of the equinoxes. So, equatorial... You know, equator equinox on Mars to the sun is when they have the New Year. And uh, so, Mars, Pennsylvania is next town over. Mm Mm-hmm. So they had uh, a thing there, and NASA came up, and actually uh, NASA's director of planetary science was there and giving a talk and whatnot, and I kind of wanted to head over with the kids. It's a very kid-oriented type thing, but the weather was just not so good, so we didn't head over, but... Well, just two more years, and we'll be able to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't think NASA's going to come to Mars, Pennsylvania every, every two years, but who knows, maybe... Uh, if they want to keep reaching out, there's, by the way, they're sure. I only had dollars, so that's fun. <laughs> for the coffee. Feel like a stripper. <laughs> Making it rain. Um, 
yeah, there's that, that outreach is good. Um, I, I don't know what my ultimate point here was about uh, analogy and stuff, but it's, it's right. just something I found interesting is that at a certain point, you, you really do. You, <laughs> That's what made me bring it up. I was going to say, you know, you should have went there. And when he started talking, you know, simplistic terms to kids, you should have started bitching him out. <laughs> like, That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there, there is that, there's that tendency. Um, I was, after that DuckTales thing that I showed you, I, I, I watched this thing, somebody linked to it, uh, a scientifically accurate DuckTales, which talks about how horrible ducks are. Uh, but one of the scenes is, um, they have a scene of, of a duck in space pulling off a helmet and his head, and his head exploding. And so I initially caught that and there were people in the comments saying, you know, you can't be scientifically accurate and then have his head explode in space and then people were like um you're kind of missing the point the point was you're accurate about ducks and if you watch that part of the video the duck has a fishbowl over his head in space and the rest of him is not in space the rest of it is nothing on him uh and he's pulling off his his fishbowl and it explodes i think it's more of a joke than anything else i think and i was like you, you have to catch yourself sometimes from from taking stuff because you you know it's it's overdone, and so you you're like, no, you don't bodies don't explode in space, and that's sort of you know drilled into you. And so whenever you see it, you feel like I have to yell at it, and then something like that happens, and so you see it, you yell it without missing it for the context, which is mm-hmm. it's it's a dumb thing anyway. If you saw the context, then you would never have explained it, but you're focusing too much on the very little detail. That's. That's trivially easy to miss, those kind of things. Scientifically accurate ducktails, huh? Yeah. You want you want to hear it? <laughs> sure, I All guess. Right. Okay. Do we want to keep recording or do we want to finish up pre show? Oh no, this is I, I think this will um I think this will this will go well with the show. You can jack in. Yeah. <clears throat> Ha, 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 ha. 
Because male ducks are such rapists, females grew maize vaginas. Mm -hmm. And and then the ducks adapted to that by making corkscrew penises. (laughs) This is an example (laughs) of, I think, when we see things, we have this tendency to see things that are cute and accept them because we think they're cute, even though they're horrible. And, um, like, why do we allow rabbits around? Oh, we think they're cute. Rabbits have, have gained a selective advantage over other rodents because <laughs> uh, they live in, in a human society and people think they're cute. And so they let them hang around and eat their gardens. Well, they don't spread disease as much as rats and other things, right? Then, yeah, I don't know that for sure. I don't. I don't have an answer. For that. I mean, if all rabbits were like the rabbit from Monty Python, I don't think we'd no, put up with them. This is true, but these, you know, but we we love ducks and they're and would they still look cute if they had the connotation of touching them will kill you? Touching rats won't kill you. They feel icky, right? And that's probably that's cultural. Is it cultural? I think so. Because I mean. The, the same way we find bugs icky. What's the um? What do they call the um? Oh, it, it, the like when behaviors pa- like learned and like passed on, generate like becomes like part of the um, culture. No, it, but like animals which don't have culture. Like, you know, deer are afraid of people. Oh. This uh, epigenetic, right? Yeah, it's called epigenetic. Okay. So, I was, you know, like maybe rats became an epigenetic thing because of the Black Death and all that stuff. Yeah, it's possible, sure. Um, but it's, you know, the deer that weren't afraid of humans all got killed. The ones that were afraid. So that trait right. passed on, and, you know, the people that had rats as pa- pets, you know. Rats apparently make very good pets, by the Before way. the uh, Black Death, probably didn't survive. I think we talked about this before. I read about this. Rats make much better pets than, like, hamsters, because they're smart. Mm-hmm. They actually, you know, they have some socialization, so they're, they're, they're actually more willing to give you kind of, like, affection and that sort of thing. Right. So, yeah. No, I'm not saying rats are horrible. I'm just saying why do the common thought of rat is being dirty and yeah. horrible? And I would think there might be a fair amount of epigenetic from, you know, history and them spreading disease where we don't have that kind of history with rabbits. Hmm. True. Okay, other subjects. Uh, I did want to mention, I forgot this last time when I was reading the evolution stuff in the post show. I meant to end every question with, you dumb fuck. Um, <laughs> How late were to... you up last night <laughs> tweeting with oh, our friends like, from... Like four o'clock last night. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a late night. You were having quite the conversation with Greg and Dave. It was a fun conversation. Um, I was making good points. 
Uh, we can go over that in, in the post show. All right. Um, let's see what else do I have. The okay. Uh, want to talk a little bit? Ding. Want to talk a little bit about these subliminal messages? Um, the that we that we that, Alex Jones ones? the Alex Jones thing. Just because we watched this thing, uh, Alex Jones guy was talking about subliminal messages and showing some studies that actually show. Yeah, I mean, like subliminal messages don't work. We know that, but there are like instances where you can influence a, a, an immediate decision based on things. That's a parlor trick. That is like uh, magicians, you know, coming you doing card tricks. It's a parlor trick. It, it's it's like hypnotism. It's you can't use it for anything. If you could use it for things, if you could influence people like that, then why the hell would we be killing people constantly with bombs and shit? We. <clears throat> yeah, there's been research in the, like there's the MK Ultra project. There have been government research into psychic stuff. Yeah, because why wouldn't you? I mean, people claim it. There are. It's not you know. You don't know, so you test it, and guess what? Nothing. There's nothing there. So that's what MK Ultra was. It was them testing out this hypothesis and finding out yeah you know what no it's useless you can't do shit with this the problem with that is the only tv show you ever see on mk ultra is says that there's yeah. something yeah. behind yeah. it that, you know that's the <laughs> history channel yeah right <laughs> it, 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 it reminds me of that thing where there was the recent it was, it was relatively recently where they released a, a thing where there was a study about whether we should nuke the moon whether we should put a set off a nuclear device in the moon to show our to, to show off our power to Russia or something like that and and they they did a study and it was like no that'd be dumb there's no reason to do it you would you wouldn't be able to see it it wouldn't have any major effect and it would just be stupid for a whole all these reasons so I mean I I'm kind of I kind of am open to the idea that yeah look you have an idea. No, you're tossing out an idea. No dumb ideas. Let's just let, let, let's see. And okay, yeah, this idea isn't going to work. It's <laughs> this idea fails for all these reasons. So no, don't do that. People were p- complaining. Oh my god, the government was going to nuke the moon. No, the government never planned to nuke the moon. It was like, what would happen if we did? And. Uh, <laughs> so someone like, wanted to though. <laughs> someone thought, hey, okay. It, Maybe, you know, everyone can see the moon at night. That'd be a great place to put a little demonstration, right? And it's like, um, that's bad. For a whole bunch of different reasons. <laughs> Most, you know, a lot of them being, you know, you're you're doing this for absolutely no good reason. And another reason is uh, you wouldn't be able to see it anyway. So there's no fucking point. <laughs> and anything you'd be able to see would cause effects that would be deleterious to other things on Earth. So, yeah, just don't do it. <laughs> it was essentially the point of the report. I'm fine with that. Right. Another thing I tweeted recently, kind of vaguely similar, because um, there's all these this, there's all these uh, people complaining about remakes, Hollywood's remaking things. Mm-hmm. I actually, when I thought about it, and I, you know, like, Hollywood's remaking Ghostbusters, how horrible... 
think about when you were a kid and you were watching something uh, and you would come up with your own ideas and your own stories to tell in mm-hmm. that universe. I'm kind of fine with remakes as long as it's the people. It's as long as it's those kids who were imagining those new stories in in that same universe doing it. Mm-hmm. It's as long as it's not just a plain old you know shot for shot retelling of something else has been done. Like that psycho. <laughs> Don't do that. Take this universe and run with it. I'm actually cool with that. Or, or or take the universe and put your own twist on it. I mean, if they do Ghostbusters right, then it will. Honor the original, but at the same time being a different mm-hmm. kind of, you know, a different thing. Yeah, I mean, it would. I would like to see that the current Ghostbusters are, you know, 15 years down the road of Ghostbusters Incorporated. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're still doing stuff. I mean, I can't remember how Ghostbusters 2 ended. I don't know if Ghostbusters it left 2 it. was pretty bad. But I can't remember if it uh, left it open to, you know, continue more paranormal things. But yeah, like. Wouldn't it be funny if I goes? Let's do some fanfic, right? Uh-huh. Okay, so Ghostbusters, paranormal spread, and Ghostbusters is like uh, the uh, you know the the, uh, the co- big company that sprays for bugs, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Archon, or right? Whatever, yeah. you know, and like so, this is just a little regional office with women Ghostbusters. And they're just <laughs> doing daily mop up things. <laughs> it's that that would be an interesting idea. Now I think that they're doing more of a reboot, but mm-hmm. or re uh, I think it, it's more of a reimagining, right? Or taking the concept and of, of a group of people that goes out to to fight ghosts and and taking the very basic premise and the very basic characters because that's you know story comes from character, mm-hmm. but changing the story enough that it's 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 not the same thing. It's a, it's it's similar. It's it's sort of a a funhouse reflection, but it's not the same thing. Right. I'm cool with no, that. No, I'm cool with it, too. I'll, I'll go watch it for sure. Yeah. I would really like to see, like, you know, just like 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, or 25, however, yeah, yeah. it's 25 years now. Yeah, that that was the cool thing about that Power Rangers thing, which was, um, it was on, it's all, it's all on YouTube, it was, it was a, I never watched Power Rangers, okay. but I watched this thing, and it was, you know, silly and goofy, and uh, and ridiculously over-violent, and, and hyper-sexualized, and, and whatever, but it was somebody who grew up with Power Rangers, taking it to the next level, and saying, okay, what would happen 15 years down the road if this was the case, if, if you had a group of people who were recruiting kids to fight these intergalactic wars. <laughs> what would happen when these kids became adults? And you know, and some of them, you know, change allegiances. And you know, it was it was a a cool or like ten minute take on on the idea. And I thought that was great. I thought that the the idea of just you know taking like what if you took Dora the Explorer and checked it out when she was thirty? What would that situation <laughs> be like? They did do an older Dora. I never saw him. I heard it on the news, uh-huh. though. This was, like, right around the time when Allie was watching Dora. You know, so, like, I would say Dora is probably about six. seven or eight, yeah. six to eight, somewhere in there, right? So they were going to do, like, a, a tween or an early teen, so, like, a 13, 14-year-old Dora. That's not long enough. I mean, no, no, not, not for, for what yeah, you want, yeah. but they were going to do that one. Yeah. 21-year-old Dora. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen it. It's one, of, it's one of the things that I, I want to watch, but isn't Veronica Mars kind of that concept, right? I mean, it's the... Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so there there are soap opera relationship issues at the same time. Boots hitting on Dora. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> We're yeah, just friends, Boots. <laughs> I'm going on with Benny anyway. <laughs> 
there are lots of interesting ways you could take these stories, and because the fun is in the characters in the universe, it's not just in the story that the original story that was told. So, I think that I mean I haven't seen Jurassic World, but from what I've read and seeing people talk about, it, that's kind of where it fails. Is, is it? It doesn't really update the universe all that much, except for oh, there's the idea that that dinosaurs are in a park and science has run amok. That's that's it. Well, Wouldn't it be we, funny if Chris Pratt was just doing a gold bloom impression the whole time? <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? I did see something where somebody pointed out, and I think astutely, that Chris Pratt has Ryan Reynolds' career. <laughs> like, that was supposed to be Ryan Reynolds, but now Chris Pratt got it. <laughs> I think you're right. But wouldn't that be so funny if like, you go to the movie and he's just like acting like Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> I know he's not the same character yeah. or anything. Yeah, but. Uh, so you uh, you plug it in, and that's all you have to do with your Mac. <laughs> I can't do a Goldblum, but... But if you could, it would have been funny. Yes. All right, la- last thing I want to cover before we get into the show. The, the Charlie Charlie game, have you read anything about this? Yeah. Uh, well, I only think what I saw on uh, At Midnight. Yeah. So do you have two pencils? Don't you need four? What? No, you just need two. Just two? Just two pencils. Uh, these are going to be hard because these are not um, the same kind. But but you, I, I'll just show you essentially the idea, which is you you make a quadrant and you you try to balance the pencil one on the other. Uh, and when you do that, well, you have a very very unstable situation. So any air gust is going to move that pencil. That's all it is. It's air. It's people. It's people. You know, excited. You spend it, most of your time setting the game yeah. up, and you never get to play it because you can't balance the damn pencils. Right. It's it's, it's either people who are um, blowing on it to, to, to fuck with people, or it's people who are excited and you know, so and they get in close and they just accidentally and it blows and they oh my god they're freaked out. It's you're setting up an unstable situation. Of course. They, that's going to be influenced. Well, it's like by one of the things I remember games. listening to a, a ghost hunter thing, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that they would have you commune with your relative was you unscrew a light bulb until it's just barely plugged in and it'll be out. And you ask it a question, it'll turn on. What it, what it is is actually an expansion contraction thing. Mm-hmm. So when you screw it, just so when it cools down, it goes out. Or I guess the. Uh, Yeah, the metal will expand when it cools. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, but then it, so it goes out for a period of time. You know, when the light's out, it's not making any contact. And then when it cools down, it makes contact again. Heats up, goes out. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's just like this thing. But I, you know, this, I guess this was like this social media meme right this charlie charlie thing and then like oh wait it's a movie <laughs> i guess pretty good uh pretty good placement well i mean i don't know whether it got a huge amount of traction but it was around but i just thought it's, it's one of those things where it, if you just think about it for a little bit then it becomes fairly obvious what the heck's going on i don't know i couldn't even get the damn pencils balanced so yeah it's hard to do the balance it's easier on the ones with, with where they both have grooves oh even the, then you're still the hexagonal ones yeah even then it's still a very unstable i mean because mm-hmm. balancing it is hard and then it's got a lot of easy ways to move so. right i'm sure that was a great movie 
I'm sure. All right, on to the show. Yes. 